Hey guys, welcome to season two, episode six. And this week's Ted Lasso title is Like Back in the 80s When Bad Meant Good. And our guest this week is Elliot, who is a newbie to epilepsy. Um, and but also like just an extraordinary person. Um, yeah, but he he's still in the thick of it with not only epilepsy, but his career. He's still extremely yeah. social. I mean, yeah, like most of us, you wouldn't know he had all of this shit going on in the background. But totally. it was, you know, we realized it was really important to bring on someone who, you know, was also newly diagnosed because most people we've had on have been in it for years. And, right. um, you know, it's extraordinary that we even could find someone who's willing to share it because it is such a raw emotional time where, totally. you know, most of us experience the whole, do I even have epilepsy? I don't know. They keep telling me, you know, all right. these different possible diagnoses. So, I mean, just the fact that he was able to share his story with us and where he's at with it is, mm-hmm. I, mean, I would not have been able to do it 12 years ago. Oh, no. No, not a chance. I was, yeah, I was also like comatose on so many meds. I like couldn't even speak or stay up past 3 p.m. But like he just, like you said, like he jumps right in and is able to do that. And I think there's, and not that like there's a pressure or like that's what you should do. It is just adds, shows his character though. And like yeah. he was like right away, like, let me, how do I, how do I tell this story? How do I tell people? you know, and how do I advocate for myself? And it's that delicate tight rope that we've all been on or are still doing. And, and that's kind of, well, that was why we chose this Ted Lasso quote is because it's like nothing makes sense. And it's like back in the eighties when bad means good. And when you're like up is down and you have epilepsy, you don't have epilepsy, you need this drug, you don't need this drug. You know, there's just like, which is, I wish I could say like only in the early days of epilepsy, but some of us are still, going through that. So mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> it's just, you know, but again, like you said, just getting this perspective of the chaotic newness of it. And yeah. we're just so appreciative that he was able to sit down with us and chat with us about it. Of course, every episode, we really want to thank our sponsors, um, Neuralis and SK Life Science. And thank you for helping us bring the 80s back in this episode. Uh, if you guys could follow us um, on Instagram or subscribe to our email list at whatthefpodcast.com. Um, also you can subscribe to, or watch us on YouTube. You might be mm-hmm. right now if you are high. Um, that just helps keep this podcast going. And we've yeah. heard from a lot of you that you want this to keep going. And so do we. So, um, anytime we get, you know, information like that, where people are following us and leaving comments and stuff, it also really like, I don't know lightens our heart that's not the right word not the right phrasing (laughs) but um warms our heart yeah epilepsy moment couldn't remember the word yeah help us to keep this going because we know it's important not only to us but to you guys and you know it's as simple as just following us on you know our socials and um yeah so totally Hope you enjoy the episode um, yeah. just as and much as we around. do. Yeah, stick yep. around afterwards because we have an epilepsy fave of the week and and fan, which is very fun to do. Yes. Okay, here we go. Hey, guys. Welcome to What the F. Today we have a guest, Elliot DeVore. He is a postdoctoral psychology fellow, which means 
Elliot, you're very smart because I have to write down that. And I'm like, I don't even know exactly what that means, but I know it means you're smart. And you are also a practicing psychology fellow. Yes, I provide psychotherapy to individuals and couples. And I did a group. Um, and I also do like pre-employment um, screenings for different types of uh, for, for different types of jobs. So we do psych testing for them, but yeah, okay. I primarily do psychotherapy under supervision. So it's like the last year before I supposed to take the licensure exam this summer. So you wish me luck. Oh, oh we will be wishing you all the luck. Yes, and you, not that you need it. You're gonna be fine. I feel mm-hmm. like. And Elliot and I have had the pleasure of meeting each other and knowing each other because Elliot lives in Chicago. Um, But you're a newbie relatively in Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. So I matched at the University of Illinois Chicago to complete my um, APA, the American Psychological Association, um, internship at University of Illinois Chicago. So I moved here July 2021 and then graduated from my PhD program last summer of 22. So I'm like, Dr. DeVore at this practice downtown, just kind of fun. And, oh my gosh. Um, so sorry, I did not refer to you in your proper name, Dr. DeVore. <laughs> oh, no, that's so okay. That's, <laughs> that's okay. No, own that doctor shit. If I, were, if I had a doctor, I would do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, we've okay. been here a year and a half. Okay. And wow. um, as you've mentioned to me or to us before, that your Chicago move also came with a fun epilepsy surprise. Yeah, it was um, pretty wild, I guess. I had had, like, experiences in the past now, like, looking back, I'm like, ooh, this makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I was out with some friends, um, and I turned to my friend. We were at this bar, and I had, like, a drink. And I turned to my friend, and it wasn't even late. And I was like, mm-hmm. something really bad is about to happen. I just started feeling really weird and, like, I now know I was having an aura and then total loss of consciousness. I just collapsed, like lost control of my bladder, um, like fell out of my chair. And, uh, and I came to, my friends were like carrying me. We were outside and I was like, uh, like what's going on? Luckily in Chicago, you know, there's places like near your house. So I was very close to my house. My friends came, um, they took me back and monitored me and, like fortunate enough for me, one of my friends that's with me is doing residency as an ER physician. So he was like, bam, bam, bam. You either had this heart thing or you had a seizure or probably both and blah, blah, blah. Because um, wow. I probably would have just thought like, I don't know, like, oh, that's weird. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, you definitely need to see a neurologist and a cardiologist. Wow. And um, I'm so glad he was with you that Mm -hmm. night because you never know how that could have gone you know it could have been like oh maybe like there was a weird thing in my drink or you know i don't know you could have written it off as totally yeah yeah so it's really i'm really glad he was with you yeah me too yeah and it was november 2021 um it's like the day before thanksgiving um yeah and then the doctors were like yeah you it sounds like seizure or maybe a heart thing and you need to go and I had to wait like four and a half months to see a neurologist because the wait lists are so long and to get the MRI. That is insane. Yeah. So then I got my MRI and the EGs and stuff um, in April. I can't remember the day now, but I remember our diagnosis day was very similar. Oh, that's right. Because yours is like 
because we were texting each other and mine is April 1st, April Fool's Day. And yes. yours is like a few days before. And yes. we were both Aww. like, is it? Yeah, we, we were like, is it weird that I'm, because I was like, I'm comforted by the fact that our diagnosis days are yes. like very close together. And you were like, I am too. I was like, okay, it's not just me being weird. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, been, it's been a journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so like, since then, like, how have you, I mean, I don't even, I can't even imagine moving to a new city and this happening, you know, um, like how have you been able to get care or what has that looked like? Or, you know, how have your seizures been? Yeah, I think when I, when I first got the diagnosis, like the neurologist called me in between rounds and she's like, yeah, I looked at your MRI and the EG and, you know, based upon your history of, you know, what you've described in the past, it's definitely, you know, epilepsy and go pick up this medicine at this pharmacy and I'll see you in like this amount of time to see how the meds are going. Wow. Um, so very so like, like, peace out. Like, yeah. Good, good luck. Like, Excuse me. What pick does this mean? Meds. Can I have, yeah. you know, some questions answered? hundred percent. Right. <laughs> so, you know, um, I was seeing that person, that, that neurologist for a while and all the while now realizing I was having like, uh, like seizures where I just like would like space out and just like feel like really intense and like heavy and, um, mm. would get really bad migraines afterwards and have to like lay down for like yeah. several hours to just feel yeah. normal again. Um, but I was like, oh, maybe I'm just stressed. I don't know. Like, and I've always had these things happen and just thought it was normal and then I, um, when you say always, like, what does that mean? Do you mean like your adult yeah. life? Your, you remember Probably adult your... life. Okay. Yeah. So okay. like my early twenties and then, you know, when I was like in my first job in San Francisco, I remember having these things and I was just like, oh, this is, this is so weird. And I was like a residence hall director. So I like managed residence hall at a college campus, mm-hmm. you know, and like, thankfully my job was a little more flexible where I could go do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I met someone with epilepsy in like December or January of twenty of this year and was like talking to him about like all this stuff. And we're like both gay. So we we're like, oh yeah, we can't like go do fun gay things because we can't go out and drink and like do all these things. <laughs> um, we're like gay grandpas and like <laughs> in early 30s, you know. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, those are like, these are seizures. You should tell your neurologist about it. So I remember going and I found your podcast around that time too and was just like having all these emotional breakthroughs and I was like I I've been in such denial about this and I and I you know was listening to all these podcasts and and one of another epilepsy podcast and I remember going to my neurologist the next appointment like earlier this year and was like all of these things have been happening in the last year and she was like oh my gosh Elliot like why haven't you why haven't you told me about these things I said well and I had like these anonymous psychologists. I like do some behavioral, like let's do some rehearsing. <laughs> like, use your agency and assertiveness skills. That should be fun with <laughs> neurologists. Yes. I was like, how would I have a client have a difficult conversation? <laughs> That's amazing. And I was like in tears and I said, you know, I didn't tell you because you didn't provide proper patient education around the variety of seizures that I might have. Because in the past, when you said, are you having a seizure? I thought, oh, I didn't lose consciousness and like fall and pee my pants. Yep. Right. It's such a learning curve. It was insane as the first one that that made me actually seek care. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Yeah. So the way to like say that yeah, too. Amazing. I mean, in tears yeah. or not, the fact that you were like, you didn't this is on you. You did not mm-hmm. I did not know this was a seizure possibility. Yeah. Yeah. It takes you know? such balls to call them out when they're not doing, you know, like you said, kind of not giving you all the information. And yes. they it's it's scary to call them out for that because they're kind of like top yeah. dogs. You kind of think they're supposed to know everything. And right. sometimes you're like, hold on. If we just communicated better, we could have mm-hmm. solved this, you know, earlier. So totally. I am just downright so amazed. Impressed. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I'm I didn't do that like, for years. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. And I cried and I was like, and I felt really let down by you when I called and I left messages saying, I think I'm having some like seizures on my sleep because I'm waking up after eight and a half hours just feeling wrecked and that's not normal. Yeah. And then you put in a sleep apnea study request. I was like, no, I said, I think I'm having sleep seizures. Like, isn't there like an thing? And yeah. Right. You're like, you're um, not hearing me. Yeah. So, but I've got an intake. I had an intake at an epilepsy center. And so getting some appointments scheduled and um, yeah. So that's been the last few months. (laughs) Oh my God. No biggie. Gosh. And how, like, I just can't believe you're like one, you're still working, you Mm -hmm. know, and going through all this. That's absolutely incredible. Like, have you been, have you been able to advocate at work or is that, like kind of tricky. Yeah. I think I was like really struggling at the beginning because I was learning all these new things on my fellowship around different types of assessments and the reports are really intense to write and um, they take extra time because I'm learning them and that's normal. Sure. Um, but then like would just not be functional sometimes and would like have to shut my door and just like lay down yes. for a couple hours and I'm just like but then it's like, oh, we need that thing. like, And so finally I was like, I have to be, it was like impacting my functioning at work. Mm-hmm. And I finally had to just like open up and say, hey, like there's this thing and it's not that I don't care. It's not that I'm like trying to be careless or whatever. It's um, this is what it feels like for me. And um, I was so scared. And I'm like, did you know, did they, did they not know yet that you had epilepsy or did they know and just didn't understand what was yeah, going on? I don't think at that point I talked about it really, um, at all. I, and so when I talked to them, I sent, um, uh, I think I sent them one of your podcasts <laughs> and, oh. uh, um, I think one from like my the, proof. <laughs> yeah. And then like one of like the cure epilepsy foundation podcast, it's a great or podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, sh- shout out to sister podcast, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but I, yeah. And, and I had to talk about it in clinical supervision and it's funny because it's like, we're all psychologists and we like talk to people about their feelings sure. and here I am having to talk about my, you know, what's happening for me and, right. and that, and they were very responsive. And so I oh, think good. I'm fortunate that I have a job that's a little more flexible. Like I can say, I sort of know what happens and when I feel like I'm better in the day or what's too much in the day. And um, yeah, so they've been, it's been really positive. I'm so glad that they heard you. So many people do not have that experience. Yeah, I know. It's like, you have to be, you have to be a doctor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, yeah, like 
like Dr. DeVore to get that. Um, and have you been able to, I know, and we're so, we love that our podcast has been helpful to you. Mm -hmm. That's just like warms our hearts beyond yeah. words, but have you been able to find any other like community in like Chicago, like, like physical community, like in Chicago or anything? Yeah, what does that's that look what like you should you? ask because I met that that other friend who has epilepsy, and then I um, became friends in the last six months or so with two other gay guys who both have multiple sclerosis, mm -hmm. and we like formed a book club, and we oh got gosh, together. Awesome. And because you know people's health and stuff fluctuates, we've been able yeah. to meet once, but we have a group chat and we like update mm -hmm. about health stuff. Um, but we met and we read this book called Wintering: The Power of rest and recovery in difficult times or something oh. i forget the name of it and uh it was really bonding because you know at our age there's like certain things that people want to go and do and yeah. you can feel sort of isolated when you're like gaggle wants to go out and you're like i need to be in i need to be asleep yeah I, yeah i would love to see that drag show but it starts at 1130. Right. <laughs> exactly. You're like, that's not even an option for me right now. Like, uh -huh. I'll watch, you know, a recording of it tomorrow if possible. Yeah. yeah. Or anyone uh, that's like, let's be super spontaneous. I'm like, I, I need to yeah. nap. Like, if I yeah. know that there's something, you know, we're going to do at night. Like, yeah. you know, like, like. Like kind of, I hope what that book was saying. I need we need to find out that book name because I definitely want to read it. I still yeah. could use you know because I feel like sometimes we all just feel a little bit of I don't know twinge of guilt or something when you nap you know or mm. or rest or like it's it's kind of that or maybe I'm just projecting my how I feel about it but like sometimes it's like ah, you just don't want to rest right yeah I definitely don't want to yeah wanna, I mean yeah. That was one of the harder things for me was like just realizing I have to, you know, I'm on a different schedule than everyone else my age. And that took a long time to finally come to terms and just be like, this is how it is. And even now, over a decade later, you know, there's still moments where I get those twinges of, man, I wish I could keep up. But, totally. you know, it's it just, yeah, it's a lot better to stay in and have seizures for me the next day yes <laughs> yeah yes. but it's yeah it's all like kind of give and take i found like as i got older it got easier mm -hmm. because my friends were getting older yep. <laughs> so, like <laughs> late 30s you know a lot of people aren't going out at 11 30 a.m i almost said a.m no we don't even do that like our our brunches are like at 9 a.m now <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Or like 11.30 a.m. I I could be a Home Depot. Why would I do that, you know? Right. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it just – it is that – oh, it's just that shift. And, like, and like the thing is, too, um, and I for me, like, with dating, too, is just the always, like, saying no to things really drove me nuts because it's no fun saying no, you yeah, know? It's not. Uh-uh. Yeah. And, like so – I'm such a yes girl, too, and I'm like, shh. You can't say it all the time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like you just want to do the thing and mm -hmm. you can't – you know it's for the better to not do the thing. But mm -hmm. I don't know. And then, like last week I had a seizure and I looked back and I'm like – it was almost like I was like poking for one. Like I was like how many things can I tack into one day, mm -hmm. you know? 
And then um, I had a seizure at the end of it. And I was like, well, that makes complete sense because of you had disrupted sleep. You tried mm-hmm. to fit in a million things in that day. You mm-hmm. went to a grocery store. Grocery stores are huge triggers for me because of the fluorescent lighting and like everything mm-hmm. is, I don't know. There's like just a lot them. happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, except Trader Joe's because they've got better lighting and everyone's nice. <laughs> but <laughs> I had to throw that one in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trader Joe's, if you want to, you know, if you want to sponsor us, we would totally accept that. Just putting <laughs> yeah. that out there. 100%. Um, so I know the story of how you told, kind of told people you had epilepsy. And I think it's a story yeah. I've never heard before until you and I was hoping you could share that with us yeah yeah I'm getting kind of emotional it's okay it's okay Landis will probably chime in and start you know tearing up with you so yeah Lexi doesn't cry I I don't cry (laughs) if I'm crying you know it's really fucked up so (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think I've always been like um in my family like, oh, Elliot has it all together. Like, Elliot's on top of things. Like, I was always the, like, the golden child that, like, did all the things. And, like, don't worry about me. Don't look over here. It's all fine. Um, and then when I got the diagnosis, it, it was, like, I mean, I just felt so, my earth shattered. And I was, like, how am I going to move myself? I all the time, like, I can't drive my U-Haul. Like, how, I, I can't go swimming. I can't. I can't drive like what I can't take care of myself. I like my fierce independence felt like it was taken away from me. And I didn't tell people for a long time for what felt like for me. But then I was like, okay, I got to do something. Cause I'm like the overachiever. And I had already gotten a spot for the Chicago marathon through the lottery. And I contacted the Chicago area epilepsy foundation and they have like a marathon team. And I said, Hey, I've already got my spot, but I was just, I was just like diagnosed. And this was like beginning of April of 2022. And I was like, I don't know what else to do. Can I join the marathon team? And they're like, of course, of course, of course, of course. And so you have to raise money because of the charity thing. So I, I told the world by making a Facebook post that was like, essentially like, Hey, Dear world, this year I was diagnosed with epilepsy and I'm running the marathon. Because I've always been a runner. Like, um, please donate to the Epilepsy Foundation because it provides all these services. And mm-hmm. and it was a way that it was like, okay, if I, if I tell people and I can sort of divert the, like, don't pity me mm-hmm. to, like, to divert their energy to, to donate to something. Yeah. Because I think that was what I didn't want was to feel like, like not viewed as like being strong and smart and like funny that because I think there's a lot of just stereotypes around what epilepsy is that Mm -hmm. I even had yeah before I knew you know totally um yeah and one of my good friends from grad school trained with me like on the long runs because it's really hard on your body he like yeah. rode my bike alongside me on the 20 mile runs and was Aww. like, here's your hydration gels and your water. And like, and he went with me to the race the morning of, and I just remember like when I crossed the finish line, Oh, it was like one of the most powerful moments of my life because I felt so powerless for so long, but I was like, look at what my body can still do. Like, this is, this is really cool. Oh um, my gosh. 
Yeah. I keep tissues in here. God damn it. Oh, learn. that is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Like I never would have had the balls to do that early on. I mean, nope. That is such a beautiful, nope. amazing way and healthy way to, you know, show the rest of the world and what you're going through. And and you're so right. Yeah, and it's hard feeling like you're, you know, you want to tell everyone, but their first reaction might be to pity you. Yeah. And that's not really often what you want in that moment. And, you know, yeah. you're just all, all, all we want is support. And, and like you said, like, I, cause I, so I'm, I love running and it's something that makes me feel powerful when I'm doing it, you know, just because it's, I don't know, even, I don't go far anymore. I used to, but I don't now. Um, farther than I could. <laughs> I'm a hiker. I'm a hiker and a skier. I can't do the. I can't do that the constant. Chicago. We don't have the hiking. Yeah, there's like true. a slight incline, and it's like, oh my god, this hill. Like the hill at Montrose. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Oh, so, like, I, I, when you said that, like, you know, I felt so powerless, and then I crossed the finish line, and just like, look at what my body can do, like. That's, I relate so hard to that. That's something I feel on every run I go on because, yeah. you know, like I went, um, yesterday and the week before I'd had, yeah. And the week before I'd had a seizure that day, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was like, Hey, look, look at what you're doing. You're doing the thing you love. You're doing the thing that refreshes your soul. You're getting out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I don't think I could do the marathon. So mm-hmm. I like, but it's like such an, it is, I don't know how else to describe it, but empowering the way that you decided to tell people, you know, was cause you're like, okay. Like the fact that you like understood you weren't going to hide it, you know? And you're like, mm-hmm. this is the way I can tell people I'm already doing this thing. I'm going to tag it along with this and be like, Hey guys, you know, help, help support a good cause, help support. And it's the epilepsy foundation of greater Chicago, which is always a lot. It's, a, it's a mouthful. Yeah. I love them, but I and I understand because they Hard serve the suburbs to too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it is. Um, but like that's just so. I I just I, I can't get over. It's like yeah, I was diagnosed with epilepsy, so I ran a marathon. Like <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like them. Just pretty fucking amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, have you been able to keep up with running? I've been doing like a little quick two and three miles recently now that the weather is better. Some of the stuff you were saying earlier when you were, you know, talking about, you know, you're having these experiences that you're like, they could be seizures, they could be not, they, you know, and you didn't realize that, you know, I remember that so much, especially in the beginning, because it's like, you don't know your seizures that mm-hmm. well yet. Me too. Yeah. You know? What's an aura? And- you know, yeah. they don't teach you that growing up. And then nah. <laughs> you kind of have to learn it on your own the hard way. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I remember um, the first seizure or first epileptic seizure I had, um, the like the nurse was like, did you feel a heat rising in your stomach? And I was like, I did. How did you know that you witch? Like, you know, like, <laughs> I, you know I, but like I and I was so glad she asked because I never would have named yeah. that as a symptom. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I needed to be asked. Otherwise, I wouldn't have mentioned it because it just like so now it's like when I'm having a seizure, I have to discern like, is this anxiety in my stomach or is this the heat rising in my stomach? And, Mm -hmm. you know, now five, how many years in five, six, I don't remember. But now I can discern, you know, because Mm -hmm. I've had enough to understand. But in the beginning, 
And like, I, and then there was, it felt like there were three types for me, three types of mm. seizures I was having, like night, nighttime, possibly nighttime convulsions, um, uh, deja, starting with deja vu. And then like these, we'd call them like zone outs, you know, mm -hmm. and my doctor would, you know, we, the only one we had on an EEG was the one that started with deja vu. And so the other two, mm -hmm. since we had no proof of, you know, doctors are hesitant to call them seizures, right? Because they don't have the data, which I understand, but is also as a patient is like, ah, like, yeah. I want to name it. And then explaining that not only for yourself, but explaining yes. that to other people. Being oh my like, God. Well, you know, right. we think it's this, but we're not sure. And then other people almost get more angry sometimes than yeah. we do and want more questions. They're like, what do you mean? Like, and I'm like, shut up. You're making it worse. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. I don't know my diagnosis because it's my fucking brain and it's the most right. complicated organ in our body. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it's just like, yeah, the constant questions when you don't have the answers mm -hmm. are so hard. Yep. And yeah. like when, when your doctor can just say, cause my doctor was like, I know something's happening. And I was like, that's all I need to hear is yeah. that you believe me that something yeah. is happening. That I'm not making this up, yeah. you know? Um, like you just kind of need that validation, mm -hmm. um, you know, or from another person with that. Sometimes you get that though, outside of the, outside of the doctor's office. Oh you yeah. Know? I get way more outside of the office. Yeah. yeah. Over the years. Yeah, kind of be like, uh, this is happening. And someone's like, oh, yeah, me too. And you're like, oh, thank God. Like, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I did like so much reading on like PubMed and different neurology papers because like in my I PhD, I did. Yeah, I did like neuroscience yeah. coursework in my PhD. Oh, and so I yeah. like came into my appointments after I got my like assertive pants on and was like, <laughs> I am no neurologist, but I'm a psychologist, had neuroscience graduate level coursework who did research not really to neuroscience, but I was like, I'm not just like the average per like person, a level of like understanding or ability to comprehend things. I think that this sure. is what's happening. And they're like, oh, don't WebMD yourself. And I was like, oh. how dare you talk to me like that? I'm a doctor. <laughs> you know? Oh, gosh. Probably like some anxious defensiveness for sure. But I was like, oh. Just like it, like entertain me or like and entertain the question. And yeah, absolutely. you're like I'm doing this because I'm not getting my answers from you. Yeah. So yes. you know, oh, if you can, you know, converse with me and give me some answers and work with me yeah. and talk with me through this, then maybe I won't have to go Google. You know, what is this weird side effect I'm yes. experiencing? Totally. So, oh my God, the hours I spent on PubMed because yeah. I thought, because my friend works in uh, medical research, so she told me about it. So I was like, well, then this means it's legitimate if it's on PubMed. And if totally. I come to her with PubMed research, then that just means that this is what it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And I thought, like, I remember hours and hours I spent, and I thought I had solved the, the case for my nighttime, possible nighttime convulsions, you know? Mm -hmm. And which you can't, unless someone sees it, you can't really solve that one, you know? So, um, which was kind of what she said after my research. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, thanks. You could have saved me some time here, but like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. I thought I, I thought this made a good case. Mm -hmm. So why did you go into being a psychologist? Like what's the, yeah, that's what's a great question behind, behind Dr. DeVore. What, what's the reasoning? Yeah. That you went I into it. I'd always been like a very like sweet and empathic child and like does not surprise me no, yeah, yeah yeah and I was like raised by a single mom and so you know I was very like tuned in and like 
what's happening in the world and yeah you know wanting to make sure others are okay and then like um i grew up in east tennessee um like 20 minutes from dolly parton uh, like dollywood knoxville near knoxville yeah in knoxville yeah yeah like i i came out in high school and like had a boyfriend it was very like heart stoppers or it was very that, but like in the early 2000s. So like super fortunate that it went as well as it did. Mm-hmm. But I started to realize that like there was a lot of struggles that like other friends that I had when I got to college at the University of Tennessee who mm-hmm. were like kicked out of their homes because they were un- they were not accepted. And I just saw how like the mental health struggles people went through because of like mm-hmm. the lack of acceptance and so then I was like, oh, I'm going to go into education. I want to work with like LGBT college students and do educational programming. And I did that in San Francisco at the University of San Francisco, which was a Jesuit college, which is Catholic. And I was like, this is the most accepting place I've been at. And I like grew up wow. Catholic. And I was like, they're like, yes, they had an LGBT center at a Catholic school. And I was like, okay. Wow. Like okay. if, if yeah. like people back where I grew up could see this, like their minds would <laughs> right. be right. Right. Yeah. But then through that work, I was like, okay, I can do education, I can teach, but I, I feel like what people needed to flourish was like good psychologists, like affirming mental health providers who could say like, you're not broken, like you are worthy of love, like you are a good person. It You're feeling this way because the world has put up so many barriers. And so I, I left my job in San Francisco, moved back to Tennessee to do my PhD and like did research on like the impacts of anti-LGBT laws there, how it's impacting the health of like mental health of LGBT people. And wow. yeah, like tried to, we started a project to try to ban conversion therapy and, and then the pandemic happened. Um, so everything got <laughs> shut down, but we were like interviewing survivors yeah, of conversion me. therapy. And, wow. Um, so yeah, I, I just felt like it was like a calling. Like I, I wanted yeah. to, help people learn to love themselves again. I know you've been, you know, kind of newly diagnosed, but has your diagnosis changed, you know, how you show up to your job? Obviously, obviously like, you know, on a personal side it does, but like with your clients, has it? Yeah. I've, um, yeah, I've, I've got, um, some folks with like chronic illness and disability Mm -hmm. or children with disability because I see a lot of couples and, helping them come to a place of acceptance of like, I can live a flourishing life. Yeah. And um, I, I see a couple who has a child that has seizures mm-hmm. and I eventually disclose that to them later on. And um, it, that meant the world to them. And yeah. like, we've talked about how it is the stress of caring for a child, you know, mm-hmm. and, and um and so it's it's really humbled me, I think. I think particularly around folks coming in that have chronic illness. I just have such a different level of insight um, into the feelings of isolation people have yeah. and just being misunderstood. Yeah. And it's really, I'm really grateful for it because it's given me a different level of empathy for different folks that could walk through my door. I can see why this is your calling. The fact that you're already saying like, yeah, I feel fortunate because it's given me this view. You know, you're already silver lining this, you know, this thing that came yeah. in and while acknowledging how it bombarded your life too, you know, um, that's just, just really, I don't know. It's very special and it's something that like 
again, I did. I definitely wasn't at that point. I think I was still in denial when I was like <laughs> until like three years in when yeah. I actually started seeing a neuropsychologist who yeah. specializes in patients with epilepsy. Yeah. And so then all of a sudden I started to like when she could explain why my epilepsy was doing certain things, I was like, oh, OK. You know, and she mm-hmm. was also like, honey, you haven't accepted this yet. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I haven't. And she's like, no. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, okay, let's work on that. Yeah. Um, uh. But it makes a difference. It, it totally does. You know, whether or not, you, and like you said, you disclose it to, you know, some uh, uh, patients, but not, you know, it's not like needs to be disclosed to all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think like that's really powerful. And it's also like very selfless of you to um, not only continue your practice like with that lens but also with, you know, knowing when it would be helpful to mm-hmm. share that. That's, that's yeah. really awesome. Um, I know for me personally, from a client point of view, I mean, my, my therapist I found a little over a year ago, she has epilepsy. And so she, once she disclosed that to me, I was like, oh, yeah. man, I just feel this bond is just so much stronger now. And yeah. it's just like a, a different level of therapy that I haven't had before. And you know, everyone knows I freaking rave about her all the time. Every ever sentence is like, my therapist said this. So <laughs> shout out to Allie. Love you. But, um, but yeah. And yeah, her being able to be vulnerable with me about her experience makes me even just want to open up even more. Yeah. So yeah. it's so special that you're sharing that with people. Yeah. And it's hard, you know, it took me, I didn't talk about it for a long time. For a very long time, so like if I if I mention this, I'm gonna I'm gonna cry. Um, yeah. It's okay. But um, yeah, and I, I mean, I see I see a therapist too, and we talk about this a lot. My epilepsy and the way it impacts me, and and so um, your therapist um, also should see a therapist. Yes. Mm-hmm. I saw this meme one time that was like, I'm going to go to my therapist therapist and see the therapist therapist therapist. <laughs> I've thought about I'm that. The, I'm going to see the final <laughs> boss therapist. Like, who's the final boss therapist? I have totally thought yes. about that. I'm like, who is she seeing? Like, yes. you know, man. But yeah, and Landis and I are just like huge therapy advocates. I mean. Yeah. yeah. Just, just making sure you find, I'm always like, because I have had bad experiences. Yep, me too. Uh, traumatizing experiences with a therapist. Yes. So like also making sure you're finding, you know. Yeah, you got to date around for a therapist. Yeah. Totally, totally. Total, yep, absolutely. If you're going to yeah. be seeing them often. That. Yeah. Do yeah. you really? Yeah, I'm like, what questions do you have of me to see if you feel comfortable working with me? Like, I want folks yeah. to feel like on board, you know? Sure. <sighs> I know. Man. I know it's too bad we're friends. I can't be your client, but I know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's so funny because with my therapist, I'm like, I'm like, I know in another life she and I would be really good friends, but yeah. like our live our paths never probably would have crossed, you mm-hmm. know. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that I get to have you as a friend and yeah. um, not as a therapist because I, I think we'll have way more fun as friends. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, Elliot, thank you so much. For taking this time to talk with us. Okay, so here is our epilepsy fave of the week. It is an organization, well, really it's a person, but it's an organization called Angels of Epilepsy, which is run by Natalie Beavers, who 
we both love so much. Dear close friend we've had on the show. And she has um, a nonprofit called Angels of Epilepsy. It's angelsofepilepsy.org. And it is truly there to be a resource to help people to meet them at their needs. Not necessarily like a one size fits all. um, This is your epilepsy sort of treatment or Mm -hmm. care or support or whatever it is. And it's just like it comes from such a place of love. And a place of trials and tribulations, which you mm-hmm. can, I mean, if you want to listen to our episode from season one, absolutely listen to it because she's, she's amazing. Um, but we just admire Natalie's work so much. So it's kind of like her organization, Angels of Epilepsy and Natalie are both our faves yeah. of the week. Yeah. Um, and then we also have a fan of the week. Um and yes, Andrea is yes. our fan of the week this week. Yes, and Andrea was so sweet to uh, submit a contact form on our website, and uh, she wrote in, uh, you two are amazing, which is, thank you, and your show is such a great resource. Thank you for being so vulnerable with the world about your struggles living with epilepsy. You are very inspirational, and your work is so important. Thank you, Andrea. Um, we are so appreciative of that yeah. like and I every time we read something like this you know I think I say this every week it's just like oh my god like um you know because I just it's just the fuel that keeps us going mm-hmm. um and if you guys ever want to write in um we've got that contact form on our website whatthefpodcast.com which is also in um the information below so thank you guys and we'll see you next week have a great one <laughs>